You're listening to the Reality Steve Podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's covering everything about Rachel's upcoming season of The Bachelorette. Now, the man with all your spoilers and behind-the-scenes juice in Bachelor Nation, here's Reality Steve. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to podcast number 25. I am your host, Reality Steve. Today's podcast brought to you by StoryWorth.com. StoryWorth makes it easy and fun for your loved ones to share their stories with weekly emailed story prompts from questions you never thought of asking. Today's podcast guest is someone you remember from Ali Fedotowski's season of The Bachelorette, but he's made quite a name for himself since then with a couple shows like Going Yard, Yard Crashers, and now Lawn and Order. He's done for HGTV. He's been on the Do-It-Yourself Network. It is Chris Lambden. Chris, what's up, man? Hey, how you, how you doing, man? Thank you so much for having me on, Steve. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, no, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, we've been in touch occasionally over the years, and I knew once this got going, I was going to have you on at some point, and I figured, why not Why not this week? So uh, let's let's get started. Let's rewind back to a previous life of yours, which probably seems like <laughs> eons ago was, it does, it does. I mean, we can get to, well, we will get to all your success post bachelorette. We'll talk about fatherhood and stuff like that. But I do want to talk about Ali's season because on Ali's season is probably when you became kind of a fan favorite of everybody. I don't know if a lot of people even know this or remember this, but you, you were a high school teacher and a boys basketball coach before going to work for your dad's landscaping business. So tell everyone what got you out of teaching and into the family business. Um, yeah, I taught in New York City public schools for uh, about seven years, and I loved it. I mean, I'm still in touch with a lot of the students today. Uh, some of them came to my wedding. Uh, you know, I've made some lasting relationships with the, not only the teachers, but the administration and the students. I loved it. Um, but I actually ended up having to move home, not having to, but I decided to move home because my mom was sick. Yeah. She was battling, she was battling ALS. And, uh, so I moved home to help out and, and started working in the family business once again, which I had done, you know, intermittently throughout my life. And, uh, so now my brother, Eric and I, and my dad run the family business landscaping and, and, uh, you know, best decision I ever made, moved home, helped out my mom and, uh, and I get to work outside every day, so I love it. Yeah, when you uh, when you were teaching, wh- what did you teach? What subject did you teach? <laughs> I taught high school math. I was uh, I taught algebra one and AP calculus. Okay, what's funny is because I remember specifically because I think it was yeah this was back in whenever you did the show oh 2012 or whatever it was your your bio picture on ABC had you. <laughs> In a T-shirt with a chart of the elements. So I always thought you were a chemistry teacher uh, back in the day. I was, okay, I, I, I was a chemistry major as well. That was my T-shirt. Yeah. Okay, I, and I, I was just like, yeah. When you look at it now, and you look at all the bio pictures that have come after that, it's basically all guys in V-neck tees and you know just plain colors. <laughs> I can't believe looking back at it now that you're even allowed to wear a a chart of the element shirt for your bio picture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm 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 pretty proud that I got the, that got that pass through. That was pretty nice. Yeah, that was that was great. I mean, the yeah. fact that you were able to do that. Um, so I'm curious. I have always asked everybody that I've had on the podcast, the contestants. I'm always curious about how people got cast. Like, I can't picture that you 
showed up to an open casting call or whatever. So how, how did it happen for you getting cast on Bachelorette? Man, I, I love this story because like, it's weird how everything in my life kind of goes back to landscaping. So I was living at home um, with my dad. My mom had just passed away from ALS and I was just doing a regular backyard makeover for this lady. So we were working there for about a week and a half. And the whole time I was there, she was like, Chris, how come you're single? How come you haven't met anybody? You know, she was just asking me all those questions that as a guy, you know, I love talking about that kind of stuff with some random lady. Yeah. So she, so she just kept, you know, kept get, getting at me and getting these questions and these answers out of me. And after the, you know, being there for about two weeks, she was like, you know what? I watched this show. You'd be perfect on it. So she ended up taking my picture, writing something up and sent it into the bachelorette. You know, at the end of the show, they're like, you know, if you know anybody who'd be great, you know, send it in. So yeah. she actually sent it in. And a few weeks later, I started getting phone calls from this random California number. And I was like, great, probably creditors. Did I not pay a bill? <laughs> so I, I never answered. And they started leaving voicemails asking if I wanted to, you know, come out and try out for the Bachelorette. And I was like, oh, God, no, no way. I can't believe it, was, it actually worked. And I went out to dinner one night and I was sitting at the, this little sushi bar and the lady walked in, Michelle. So Michelle walks in and she was like, Chris, you know, I hadn't seen her in, in about a month or so. She's like, did, did uh, the bachelorette ever call you? And they had called that day. So I let her listen to the voicemail and she said, you know what? It's a sign. Call him back tomorrow. Tell him you'll do it. And I was like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> so I was like, all right. So I ended up calling back the next day and they flew me out to LA and I could lie, you know, long story short, I made it. <laughs> yeah. So had you ever seen the show up to that point? Did you have any idea what you were getting into? No. So, I mean, I hadn't really watched it before, but once I, I was cast on it, I went back and watched online the previous season. Cause I was like, all right, I got to, which would have been into? Jake's season, right? Yeah, exactly. So I watched Jake's season and, and you know, like there was all these rumors about who was going to be the bachelorette. You know, there's like three or four different girls in the running. Um, so, you know, I didn't know when I went out there, but at least I researched a little bit, you know, and kind of figured out what I was getting myself into. But I still didn't really know. It's, you know, uh, kind of just took a kind of a leap of faith and <laughs> went out to California. And the last thing my brother said to me was, don't get kicked out the first night. Yeah. <laughs> so so when, when exactly did you find out? Do you remember specifically when you found out it was going to be Allie? Yeah, uh, it was – when we were actually, so they, they flew us all to LA and we were at some hotel by the airport and they were getting us ready for the first night. And they were like, it's going to be Allie, you know? And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Cause she's from Massachusetts. That's right. Same as me. So I was like, oh, that's perfect. So, you know, the initial connection, cause I, you know, to get through the first night, you need some sort of initial connection was what I was thinking and something to set, set apart from the other 25 guys. So for me, I was like, oh, great. Hey, I'm from Massachusetts. I'm from Cape Cod, you know? Boom. That'll get me through the first night. That's what I was thinking. And it's, well, it certainly did. And we know that. And, <laughs> you know, when you get there the first night, what was, for someone who obviously wasn't a huge fan and, you know, just watched the season before just to get yourself caught up, what was immediately going through your mind other than like, whoa, like get me out of here. What did, what did I get yeah. myself into? Like when you were seeing all the guys and you guys were, you know, mingling as the guys were getting out of there doing their limo entrances, do you remember what was going through your mind that first night? Like, was it more like, what am, what am I doing? <laughs> or were you kind of like, Hey, this is, this is fun, I guess. Um, I, yeah, I still, I still remember like we had a meet downstairs in the hotel lobby 
and they were splitting us up into limos. So I think there was like four or five of us in every limo. Yeah. And oddly enough, I was sitting next to Ty Brown. And I just remember like looking around at these guys being like, wow, we all had like the deer and headlight look because there was cameras everywhere. We're being mic'd up and none of us had done that before. So it was just like, it, it was odd for all of us. So as soon as we got in the limo, I remember they had like, they had beer in there. So we all just cracked a beer and had like a little, you know, kind of cheers and like, good luck, everybody. <laughs> um, <laughs> we don't know what we're doing, but good luck. And I remember just being super nervous when we pulled up to the mansion and she was standing there. There was like cameras everywhere. There was lighting on her. I mean, she looked beautiful and you're just like, great. I have to walk up to her. What am I going to say? I don't, don't trip. Don't fall into a bush. You know? Yeah. <laughs> what <laughs> so did you, what did you do nervous. on your limo entrance? Uh, nothing big. Cause okay, I remember this basic one. Yeah. Cause, cause they were like peppering you for a few days. Like, what are you going to do when you walk up to it? What are you going to say? You gotta, you gotta say something, you know? And I was just like, man, I, I'm just going to wing it, man. I just let me walk up to her and just say hi. So I think I walked up, said hi, where I'm from. You know, I look forward to talking to you because we're both, I think I said we're both mass holes or something along those lines. And, okay. And, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't do a backflip out. One kid did a backflip my season and he ended up breaking his foot. Um, that's right. I remember that now. Yeah. Who, wait, yeah, yeah. who was it that did that? Was that? Oh, I forget. He was gone the first night because he literally broke. I think he he broke his heel. I think when he landed, <laughs> he, he was wearing dress shoes. He did a backflip. That's was, right. I mean, he landed it, but dress shoes onto like onto pavement. It's not good on the heels. Yeah, no kidding. My gosh. So yeah, yeah. Um, I, I will say this: I, your group of guys, at least I know that your little clique has kind of always stayed together, even though you guys are all spread out around the U.S. I know you. And Craig and Roberto and Ty and Tyler Vermette. I, you guys have all stayed close. Is anyone I'm forgetting in that group that, um, or is that your yeah, we, group of guys? We have a pretty good text chain. Uh, Frank is on there as well. Uh, Kirk, uh, Hunter. I mean, we, we got a pretty good group of guys. Uh, Jesse Beck. Um, That's right, Jesse Beck. Jeez. Yeah, he's the he's the reason why Peyton and I are together. That's him and G. Him and Gia. Yeah. That's right. So, okay. Um, but yes, so we got a good group of guys. We we text, you know, a couple times every, usually about once a week we text and just say hi and someone's birthday, we make fun of them for getting old and, you know, that kind of thing. So it's good. By the way, I have hit up Frank twice for the podcast. Now, I don't know if he's ignoring me or hasn't responded. <laughs> I, I've, I, I know I've spoken to Frank like three or four years ago, uh, just randomly and I, Maybe he's just hasn't gotten it because I, I did it on Inst Facebook, Instagram, and I did it on or Facebook Messenger, and I did it on Instagram as well for him. And I want Frank on, and so you might have to uh, be my liaison between me and Frank. I will because you know what I, I think he'd be great because he's he, he's a very intellectual person. And I remember having really good conversations with him. Yeah, uh, throughout the process, um, I think it was Iceland or Portugal that the two of us roomed together. And, you know, we had some good talks and, and yeah, he's a, yeah, he's a good kid. He'd be great on the podcast. Yeah. I definitely I'll, I'll want to get him two cents with him. Okay. Um, thank you for that. Uh, I'm just, <laughs> I'll give him a little shit for not uh, responding, but you know, there's, <laughs> you know, people have their reasons. I don't know, but um, exactly. okay. So let's also on the first night, one of the biggest things your season, the first night was the appearance of Rago, Justin rated our Rago. Not only did this guy come in on crutches he he did his whole wrestling stick 
or wrestling wrestling shtick. That was tough to say. Um, shtick. Yeah. Immediately when you saw him doing that, again, what was your thought process when you saw this guy literally acting out a wrestling character to try and impress <laughs> Allie? I was like, man, the pressure got to this kid already on the first night. He's acting like a wrestler. Yeah. Um, yeah. He had, he had the rated R t-shirt and it was, it was odd. Like, you know, like people do weird things in front of cameras and I've grown to know that even more since I've been working on in front of cameras. But like, that was like my first experience with someone just doing absolutely crazy stuff in front of a camera. And it didn't stop over the nine weeks that he was on or eight weeks, however long he lasted. But yeah. Yeah. Were you, were you at all bothered by the fact that Ali basically took a liking to him? Like, were you like, oh, my gosh, like, she's into this guy for doing this? Yeah, it was one of those things where you're like, wow, why, why is she keeping this guy? And she's letting go of, you know, all these other people that I was like, that I was closer to that. I was like, oh, he seems more like I am. And why would she want to keep that guy? So, you know, it's always odd when people people last longer than you think. And you're like, Oh, I can't believe that guy made it. You know? Yeah. And I, and I don't, we don't need to go through really location by location of your season because it, I mean, it certainly had its characters. You had Rago, you had Casey who went and got a tattoo on his wrist during the season. Like <laughs> That's right, yeah. when all this is going on and you're just kind of cruising through the show, you know, getting roses every week, you didn't cause drama. <clears throat> you, you connected with Ali, whereas others seem to be like, shooting themselves in the foot with stuff as it's filming, you know, you put yourself back in the mindset that you were in. How did you think you were going to come across when it finally aired? Um, I, I just kind of wanted to be true to myself. You know, like I'm a, what you saw on TV, thankfully is kind of who I am. I'm, I'm yeah. a pretty chill guy. You know, I, I try to be friends with everybody. I don't want to like rock the boat and get in fights. I'm not like a drama kid. And uh, I like to have fun. So uh, hopefully that's what came across. And, you know, I presented myself that way and I still tried to do that. And it it worked. Um, you know, she liked me for who I was and I made it pretty far. And, you know, I, I kind of just like you said, I flew under the radar for about six weeks. Uh, just kept getting roses. Which every time I got one, I was like, damn, I'm another week. All right. This is kind of cool. I think she <laughs> likes me. <laughs> So after you guys left L.A., you guys went to New York. You did three episodes in L.A. and then went to New York. Yep. And you had your first one-on-one -on -one in New York. And I'm already forgetting. I, One of you two, you or Allie, was deathly sick. Who was she, it? It was her. She was super sick, yeah. Okay. Because, I mean, the schedule that they put the Bachelorette on, man, she was, like, you know, doing the dates and then doing interviews and doing this and that. And, like, I think she just it got caught up with her. And she just was super run down, which is a shame because, like, we had – since I had lived in New York – I had a plan to go out and take her on a tour of New York City and show her all the spots I used to go to, and you know it, it would have been fun. But you know she was she was sick, so we ended up kind of just chilling. And actually, I think we had uh, it was my birthday. We had dinner that night at some like rooftop. I, I you know what? Restaurant. I don't know why I remember this, but I do. You guys went to two thirty fifth is where your wow. guys' date was. I yeah, because yeah. she called my dad. We called my dad for my birthday. Okay, yeah, I remember you guys were at two thirty fifth. I've been to that bar wow, myself and that's memory. how I remember it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I remember I knew one of you two was sick. I thought it was her, but I wasn't quite sure. But yeah, you guys, you know, for a one-on-one -on -one date, especially for this show, you guys didn't do anything. I mean, you basically just, like you said, chilled. And then you, I remember you bringing her back to her room and basically kind of taking care of her. If I remember that correctly, just kind of 
putting her in bed and I think yeah, putting the covers on probably, her. Like it was just like not it was a, probably the most authentic date in Bachelorette or Bachelor history. Like you know, like your girlfriend's not feeling well. So yeah, you take her back to her room and kind of like say, "All right, have some night cool, good night." You know, that's that's what it was. Yeah, no, that was I, I totally re, uh, remember that now. <laughs> that um, it was just you know for this show's standards, you guys did nothing. Like yeah, no no helicopters, nothing. Because there was you had the last date of that particular episode because Casey had his one-on-one where they took a helicopter and he sang to her (laughs) and then they went to the museum and he sang to her again. And then the group date was the, um, like Lion King, Lion King. Like, so yeah. Yeah. A lot of singing. Yeah. A lot of, totally a lot of, oh gosh, just bring back (laughs) memories. Um, so, so in New York is when Casey got his one-on-one and then, Subsequently, after his date, I guess it was the day of the group date, or maybe it was the day that you had your one-on-one. He went out and got himself. Okay, so he went out and got himself yeah. a tattoo. Did you know? Did any of the guys know that he went and got one? And when did you actually find out? No, no, no. We didn't know. He came back and he had a bandage on his hand. He said he burned burned himself cooking eggs on like the the burner or something. You know which. I was like, oh, yeah, sure. Maybe, I mean, you could do that. So he had like a big bandage on his arm. And, and you know, so everyone was kind of like wondering what was going on. And I think it was the rose ceremony that he showed her because we didn't find out until I think she knew first. And we were like, whoa. So you didn't know until so, the rose ceremony? Like he was able, yeah, so he, he, he did it on the day her. that everyone was gone on the group date, you said, right? Yeah. So you would have. So only you and Casey would have been at the hotel because everyone else was gone. So that's when yeah, he went right, and did yeah. it. Yeah. So because there's two one. Yeah. And you probably just assumed, oh, he's just off filming his ITMs. Like I don't, you know, probably. Yeah. Didn't. I mean, because you know, people just disappear for hours at a time all the time to go down to different rooms and talk. And I just was like, all right, well, he's he's talking, and I'll just sit in my room and stare out the window at New York. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then he comes back and he's got a freaking tattoo. Yeah. On his yeah. wrist, and you find out at the bro sermon. What was the group consensus once it was found out that he literally got a tattoo for Ali? Um, it, it was it was odd. I mean, obviously, a tattoo is forever. And when and then he started explaining to us like the guard and protect, and there was all these rivets in there, one signifying each one of us as well. Because I think there was like thirteen of us left, so there's like thirteen rivets in the shield. And wow, it, yeah. It was, yeah, it was interesting. Um, but again, I think the pressure of the situation and kind of, <laughs> it gets to people. Want to take a break real quick and tell you guys about storyworth.com. We're three days away from Mother's Day. I guarantee most of you, like me, will be running to the store Sunday morning for some flowers or a card for mom. I'm telling you, I got a better gift for you this year. It's storyworth.com. Do you have a mom that likes to talk and tell stories? I know I do. Well, now you have your mother or any relative, for that matter, share their stories with a weekly emailed story prompt. Here's how it works. You purchase a subscription for a loved one, and each week, StoryWorth sends them an email with a question about their life. They read the email, and they can either answer by replying in written form or even recording it over the phone. After a year, the stories will be bound into a beautiful keepsake book. So 52 weeks, every week, they get to share a new story about their life. StoryWorth records all of it and puts it in a hardcover book for you at the end of the year. 
How cool is that? You can pass on treasures to your children and their future families. The data is secure and everything is private by default. You control who sees your stories. It's a great Mother's Day gift or even start early for Father's Day. For $20 off, go to www.storyworth.com backslash Steve when you subscribe. That's www.storyworth.com backslash Steve and get $20 off your first purchase. Sign up today and begin making memories that'll last a lifetime. And people may have forgotten this, but after you guys left the States, you guys went Iceland and then Turkey and then Portugal, three countries which at the time... I don't think any fan of the show would have really ever thought that you guys would visit. I mean, when you head to Iceland and in Iceland is the infamous Rego and Casey two on one where Casey gets left on a glacier. Did <laughs> you guys, the iceberg. Or yeah, <laughs> That's right. did you guys have any idea how he had exited or no clue until the show aired? Uh, no clue until the show aired, like how like kind of dramatic it was. Like they're like, helicoptering off and he's on the iceberg and like <laughs> it, was, it was pretty crazy to see i think when i saw that and i'm thinking okay so the guy gets left on i think that was one of the well it's funny because one of the other memorable two-on-ones <laughs> in show saying. history yep. is when peyton I I married the girl yeah <laughs> is when peyton got left on an aircraft carrier aircraft in san diego carrier. Um, but since from, from Peyton, it never, it, it, we don't really remember two on ones getting left in dramatic places. Now it's like a staple. If you get eliminated on right. a two on one, it's, you better get left on an Island or else you're just, oh, that sucks. Like, you know, yeah. um, but from there you guys moved on to Turkey and that's where the whole Rego thing kind of blew up. And it's so funny. Cause when I'm doing research for this interview and I'm going back I I literally rewatched the scene because I found it on YouTube. I totally forgot about all this stuff where Rago had a girlfriend back home. Um, that girl talked to Allie, but it was through uh, Jesse Salidas, who was on Allie's season oh, with Jake. Right. Yeah. So Jesse Salidas is the one. Chris Harrison goes to Allie's room and says, hey, somebody that you know from a past season, he wouldn't even tell her Allie her name, uh, has something to say to you. Okay, so Jesse Salidas gets on the phone. She calls Allie and then says, hey, there's a guy on the show there, not for the right reasons. He has a girlfriend. And Allie's like, well, how do you know this? Well, I'm sitting right next to her. Obviously, that was all <laughs> pre-planned. And she hands the phone down. It's literally hands down top five moment in show history, I think. the Oh, yeah. The whole once Allie goes to the room and calls Justin out. Um, she walked into that room, dude, and she – this look on her face. She sat down. You could tell. Like I was like, we're all like, uh-oh. Yeah. She was always like a happy, she, always happy, always like, you know, just carefree with everything. She walked into that room, and we were all sitting there, and we are like, uh-oh. Something just happened. She looked so pissed. Yeah. And she basically tells, calls Justin out in front of all of you. Justin, I <laughs> guess, remember, kind of shied away, denied it or whatever. And then yeah. the scene happens where all of a sudden <laughs> – Ali is chasing Justin through the bushes of a of a Turkey a Turkish hotel, and it's just the most bizarre. He's got he's still got his boot on because he had a broken foot yeah. from before he went on the show, so he's hobbling through the bushes. Is there something about how that all shook down that was never shown? <laughs> we were like so we were on like the ninth, top floor, like eighth or ninth floor of the building, and 
she like chased him out of the room. I guess he got in an elevator, went down. So the whole camera crew fall in the next elevator and we're leaning, at, we're like against the glass, like, like one of those Garfield stick-ons in the back of a truck, just staring out the window as he like hobbles out of the hotel. And I mean, we're in, we're in Istanbul. It's not like we're like somewhere in the United States where you can just kind of like get home easily. You're in a foreign country. Yeah. Like, where, where I, I don't did know you think he was going. Was. Yeah, exactly. What no was idea. Plan? No idea. So he's hobbling through the bushes and she's chasing after him, yelling at him. And, you know, the, the rest of us, I think there's like seven or eight of us left. We're just like in the window, like, is this really happening? Just like laughing hysterically because, you know, we couldn't watch TV or anything. So this is as close to, you know, watching TV as we could get. We're like just staring out the window like, I can't believe this is really going on right now. And she chased him. She chased him down the street. And he just left. I mean, I mean. I, I think a you know somebody finally went and got him and took him to the airport and flew him home. But man, he never we never saw him again. He never came back. And did Rago ever admit to you guys beforehand? Like it, obviously there was news when she walked in the room and said that. But had he been talking about this at all? Was there any indication that something's off with this guy? It seems like he's not here for the right reasons or whatever the case may be. He never talked to any of us. I mean, you know, at this point we had been together for what like five weeks, six weeks, you know, and, and, you know, whenever we weren't on a date, we'd all be sitting around talking, telling stories. And he never sat with us unless, you know, he was forced to by a producer and he never talked to us. He never asked us any questions. So, I mean, we knew something was off with him just because he was not being social with us, didn't have any connections with us, didn't want to talk to us. So he was just kind of an outlier the whole time and never wanted to be a part of anything. So. Well, there you go. There's your answer. You just, so you guys didn't know at all. So um, no, let's no. let's fast forward to the ending of the season. Now, since the show has aired, I've heard Allie say in numerous interviews, especially in recent seasons, because she's you know, obviously doing a lot more TV work, that she has said it was always Roberto from the beginning for her. But then I've also heard her say in other interviews, it was between Frank and Roberto. And if Frank didn't leave, maybe it was going to be him. So it seems like she's kind of gone back and forth on that. I, I still don't know where she stands on that because I've heard her say both. One thing that though she's repeatedly said is that you and her were like great friends, but you knew yep. you knew you weren't for each other. You knew she wasn't going to pick you, and she knew she wasn't going to pick you, and that's why she came to you before on the day of the final rose ceremony, or maybe it was the day before. But you know, she let you go early, which seems to be the norm on. On Bachelorette seasons, I don't know if you know this, but considering this is my job, this is the stuff <laughs> I keep track of. I want to say five of the last seven seasons, or maybe it's five of the last eight, on the Bachelorette, the Bachelorette has been allowed to go to the final two guy and say, "Look, you know, I'm going to choose him. Um, don't you know? Basically, don't show up to the. I don't want to yeah. embarrass you." Yeah. And it's never happened on The Bachelor. They never let The Bachelor go to the final two girl and say, oh, by the way. Really? Yeah. It's never happened on Bachelor, and it's happened like five of the last eight seasons on Bachelorette. It's kind of crazy. Wow. But so you knew that day when she came to you that she was picking Roberto. Like when you got to the final two, you're like, well, it's not really a final two because I'm not getting picked. Well, I mean, I thought thought when we were final three, I was going to be sent home, and it was going to be between Roberto and and Frank because, you know, obviously – Again, just like she said, it seemed like we, we were really good friends. We could go out drinking together. We had a lot of similar interests, but it wasn't like a love connection, you know? Yeah. And But then the wrench in the plan was that Frank ended up going home and 
to his girlfriend or to the girl that he wanted to date, I should say. Yeah. And because of that, I was in the top two. So I was, I, I would have been third place. I, I was not top two. Yeah. You, so you were default number two. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I was a space filler. Yeah. So if it never progressed above friends, how do you think you lasted as long as you did? Like, did you feel like you were kind of just being carried there to the end? Like, what did, did you want out at some point? Like, wh- um, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, looking back now, I'm like, oh, okay. I think, I think she's brought me along because she knew she had these top two and she had to, again, like fill a space, go on dates. The two of us have fun together. So why not just have Chris along? Cause he's nice. He's, we can have fun on our dates together and then gives me more time to, to think if it's going to be Frank or Roberto or, or Roberto. Huh? Yeah. That's <laughs> what I, that's what I think, but you know, so the, the show ends and America at this point, like had kind of fallen in love with you because of the story about your mother, because your mother's death got brought up a lot on the show. Um, yep. probably more than maybe you wanted, or was it something that you had no problem you know, talking about, or do you think it was maybe overdone um, a bit? Uh, you know what? Maybe a little bit of both, but I think it kind of, in the end of the day, it, it helped me kind of deal with it as well. It was like a weird, uh, healing process. <laughs> um, but no, it was, it, 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 it brought attention to ALS. It brought attention to, you know, how great my mom was. So I'm, I'm thankful for both those things. You know, I know, I know you said in the beginning of the interview that your, your mom had died shortly before going on the show. How, how soon was it or how close to you leaving for filming? Was it, was it within, was it within the year or it was, yeah, it was a little more than it was like a little more than a year before. Okay. All right. Um, so as I said, everyone in America loves you. They love the story. Everyone just assumed that you were going to be the next bachelor. And, I know that you were in negotiations with them. It was being talked about, but also right around that time is when you met Peyton. So can you explain the timeline of what was happening then between you talking to them about being bachelor and starting a relationship with Peyton? I believe you guys met at like a, a charity golf event, something like that. Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so they were, we were in talks for me to be the bachelor and, you know, I, I definitely had reservations about it even before meeting Peyton, just because I, I didn't know if I was ready for the personal onslaught that comes with the uh, position of yeah. being the bachelor. Um, and so they, they had flown me to a, uh, I went and saw like a Red Sox angels game in LA with, with all the, all the execs and everything. And, you know, trying to like woo me. And then I got to go down to a, uh, the Jimmy V golf classic in North Carolina. And they said, you know, you can bring a friend along. So I ended up bringing Jesse Beck mm-hmm. and he had just gotten off of, uh, bachelor pad, bachelor pad. first season and of bachelor pad. That's right. Exactly. And, and, and he was paired with Peyton and the whole time we were hanging out, he's like, Oh man, this girl Peyton be great for you. He's like, I want to see if she's around. And she was living in Dallas and Jesse, you know, Loved the kid, not great with geography. He was like, "Oh yeah, North Carolina is pretty close to Dallas." <laughs> <laughs> so he called her up and said, "Hey, we're in North Carolina. You should come hang out with us." And it just so happened that it was his, her mother's birthday that weekend, and they were in Asheville, North Carolina. Wow. Yeah. Right. So she ended up coming and hanging out with us that night, and so it was Jesse and Peyton, myself, and uh, Chris Harrison all all hung out that night. And nine months later, I proposed to her. Wow. 
I didn't realize it happened. That I knew that was I knew it was at a charity event. I knew it was like right after Peyton had filmed Bachelor Pad, but I don't know if it had yeah. it had aired yet. Um, had it aired yet or no? It was no. Uh, let me think here. So my, yeah, it, it had it had aired because I think my season no my season was still going on at that point. Okay. Yeah. So if this yeah if it was in the summer because Bachelorette yeah, airs we, we, May we through July. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we met in August and. Uh, Yes, we met that one. We hung out that one night, and then about three or four weeks later, uh, Gia set up a, a like a something at her parents' house in the Hamptons, and flew like we all. There was like seven or eight of us that flew there or drove there, and she did it especially so that way Peyton and I could get together. So she <laughs> was also very responsible for getting Peyton and I on our basically second date together. So when you're looking at it and you're obviously going back and forth, once Peyton comes into the picture, how did the negotiations with Bachelor end? Did they blowball you and you're just like, well, no, I'm not doing it for that? Or was it just like, I'm just, I'm interested in Peyton. I don't want to pursue Bachelor. Um, I, I mean, they, they ended up offering me, you know, a, a good amount of money, way more than I make landscaping. But again, I had to like, I, I talked to my brothers about it. I talked to my dad about it. And then, Peyton got into the picture and, you know, that relationship was starting. And, and I still remember her asking me cause she was like, Oh yeah, it's at my hairdressers. And I was reading a people magazine and it says that you might be the bachelor. Uh, are you going to be the bachelor or are we going to date? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, don't worry, babe. I think we're going to date. So we're, we're all good. Okay. And then, yeah, you said nine months later, you guys, yeah. what you proposed nine months later. Is that yeah. what it was? Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. So we met We met in August, and I proposed in uh, June. Okay. Um, I want to bring up your your mother. You have talked about it. You're very involved with CCALS, which is Compassionate Care, uh, as a result of your mother's battle with yep. ALS. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that and what you do for them and what CCALS is. Um, so uh, Comp- Compassionate Care ALS is an organization that helps people with ALS. What, what you know? All the ALS won and all the ice bucket challenge that raised, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars for research is great, but that goes to research. That doesn't help the people that actually are today living with ALS. So what Compassionate Care ALS does is it helps, uh, it gives families who have an ALS person living there everything that they need to live a, a, a daily life. So, uh, electronic wheelchairs, uh, Toilets that help them, you know, get up and down. Chairs that lift up and down because uh, it really attacks your all your 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 physical issues. So yeah. uh, your muscles deteriorate, your heart deteriorates, all that. So it just makes it made her day to day life easier uh, as she was battling that disease. So they go around and they give people all this equipment, you know, for free. So you know, you don't have to worry about going through insurance, which is a pain when you're dealing with this kind of thing, you know? So mm-hmm. the last thing you want to do is be on the phone for 10 hours with an insurance company trying to get a, uh, a, a mechanized wheelchair or something like that. So, um, I run uh, the Falmouth road race every year to raise money. I do events with them whenever I can. And, you know, I'm just trying to help out and try to connect people who have ALS issues in their family with this organization. And, uh, you know, the founder of this guy, Ron Hoffman, ended up being now he's like a part of the family. He, he goes to Thanksgiving at our family's house every year, you know, and that's how close this company and this guy have become with us. Well, that's very cool that you've gotten involved yeah. in that. That's awesome. Um, when talking about your post-show life, I think a lot of people 
that are Johnny Come Lately fans of this franchise uh, yep. probably don't remember all the stuff we just talked about, but will know you from what you're doing on HGTV and do-it-yourself network with, with the shows that you've had. It started with Going Yard and then Yard Crashers and now Lawn and Order. Um, at what point during this were you all were you approached by HGTV to do your show and was there any pushback from ABC? Because if I remember correctly, you started you started going yard fairly like fairly shortly after Allie's season of The Bachelorette, right? Yeah, because I, th- I think once the season is done airing, I think there's like a six month period where you can't do anything on TV per the contract. Yeah. So I want to say right after that I started, but um, the people at uh, some ladies who work at HGTV had watched The Bachelorette, saw that I was a landscaper, and invited me in for an interview. So I I ended up I was driving from Dallas because Peyton was living in Dallas at the time. So we drive I went to Dallas and we drove from Dallas to her parents' house in Tennessee. And the HGTV office is in Knoxville, Tennessee, of all places. Mm-hmm. So. I set up a meeting for when we were driving through Knoxville and I went to this meeting and I met with this lady who I didn't know who she was and, you know, I had a great meeting, talked with her for about an hour and a half and left. Ended up that she was the president of Scripps Network, which is HGTV, DIY, all this stuff. So thank God I didn't know who she was. I didn't think they were going to start with me with, you know, interviewing the, the top of the chain. I thought I was going to be somewhere in the middle. Yeah. And uh, interview went great, and they offered a show. And it, luckily enough, Peyton got to go on the show with me. So we, we did uh, two and a half seasons at Going Yard. Uh, Peyton was on it with me. We got to work with my brothers, my dad, all my friends. So it was, it was so much fun. Uh, great show to work on and uh, an amazing opportunity. That was going to be my next question in regards to Peyton. When I used to watch Going Yard, I didn't know – like when this first was brought to you by HGTV – did they can't come to you and say we would like Peyton at the time your fiance or maybe no she was just technically I guess she would have just been your girlfriend at the time yeah she was just my girlfriend at the time yeah yeah how did Peyton I I mean as far as I know maybe Peyton <laughs> did have a background in this I don't know I don't think so but how did Peyton get involved in this and want to be involved in this or was it just of yeah I'll support you and I it'd be interesting to learn this stuff or did she have any background in this whatsoever. Uh, so they sent a camera crew to my house on the Cape to uh, just kind of do like a test shoot. So they're doing the test shoot, and Peyton was outside, and Peyton was like, I'm going to get into this. So she, like, walked around the yard with me, and we were just talking about different landscaping things and and decorating ideas. And they loved the back and forth of the two of us, especially because she's got that great southern accent, you yeah. know. Uh, you know, so she's beautiful. She's got a southern accent. Uh, she's articulate. And the way that we worked together on camera was great. So they were like, all right, well, it's not going to be just you, Chris. It's going to be you and Peyton. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. And, you know, she she had always liked interior decorating and, all, and design work, but she had never done it as her job. And she jumped right in with both feet, and she became great at it. And so now she actually has her own uh, design company, yeah, uh, Wash Ashore Home. So she's doing amazing with it. And and she did. She designed a sh- uh, one of my episodes I did of Yard Crashes on the Cape, and she did all the uh, decorating for that. So um, she's really done well with it. Yeah, that's that's awesome because I remember watching that at first, and I was like, Peyton seems like she knows a lot about this, and she I didn't does, know she yeah. I didn't know she knew anything about it. And it's funny because <laughs> you know something that I don't think anybody knows. I may have brought it up once in the past is 
one of the trips that you came to Dallas to see Peyton, um, I ran into you guys down in McKinney yep. Avenue, and it was so funny because you guys happened to have tickets to the Manny Pacquiao fight at Texas Stadium or the new. At, it was not AT and T Stadium back in the day, but you guys had tickets yeah. to a fight. And we're sitting there at the bar, and you're like, hey, do you want to go to the fight? <laughs> and I'm like, sure. <laughs> so me, you, and Peyton just go. I tried to get a girl to go with me, and she said no. So it was just <laughs> the three of us go to the Manny Pacquiao fight at AT&T Stadium when this is when it was like brand new. And just yeah. it was the first time I was there. I believe it was the first time you guys were there, too. And oh, it was yeah. just that was one of that the best awesome times. Yeah, that was yeah. so much fun that night. And just getting to know you guys and, and talking to Peyton, I was just like, so when I saw her on the show, I was like, wow, I had no idea she knew about any of this with the Goniard <laughs> stuff. And so initially, it wasn't even supposed to be her. It was it, When they came to you, it was supposed to be you. And then when they went exactly. and shot a uh, you know, a reel or test whatever, reel. test reel, yeah. um, they realized, hey, wait, this, this could actually work. And that's how it came yep. to be? Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, so explain the one thing I'm... I'll be the first to admit, I know nothing about landscaping, yard work, planting, nothing. I, I couldn't tell you the first damn thing about it. However, I'm always intrigued about these shows. My nieces and nephews watch, my niece and nephew watch HGTV all the time. They watch all the house flipping shows and all that stuff. And, you know, I'll watch it with them. I'm not as much into the interior and the design of houses. I'm just fascinated by the production of it and all I ask myself is, okay, where did this take place? When did it happen? How quickly is stuff turned around? So explain, I guess now that the one you're working on right now is called Lawn and Order. It hasn't started airing, right? Or- right, yeah. Only, only one episode has aired so far. Okay. Uh, but, but the show that people know the most right now is Yard Crashers. I've done the last five seasons of Yard Crashers. Um, and that's the show where I walk around like a, I walk around a Lowe's. I randomly find a couple, go back to their house, and completely renovate it in two days. And that's the question people always ask most. Like, so the backyard, the first time walkthrough was just ugly, worse than the block. And then two days later, it's, you know, the best like, one on the like block. Something out of a, yeah. It's like something out of a magazine. Yeah. And so it literally takes you guys two days to do someone's backyard for the show. Pretty amazing. But yes. So, you know, we'll start on, let's say a Tuesday morning at 7am. We all show up and I have my crew of, five to 10 builders, electrician, you name it, whatever we need for that backyard and the homeowners work. And then they have about 10 people that their friends and family that work as well. So there's usually about 10 to 20 people in that backyard working for two days. And, uh, it, it, it is a, a pretty good orchestra. You got to make sure all the materials arrive at the right time. Uh, all the demos out of there at the right time, but it's legitimately show up 7 a.m. the first day, and we have to be done by about 5 or 6 p.m. by the second day because that's when the camera crew does all their beautiful slow motion shots of the yard while it's still light out. Yeah. That is un- like, I just assumed it took you like a week, two weeks to do the whole thing, and it was condensed for television purposes to make it seem like you guys did it in two days. I had no idea that that was actually done. Believe me, the first the, the first show I did, I was surprised as well. I was like, "Wait, it's really two days, not just like it's a fake on TV." <laughs> and they're like, "No, two so, days." So, is Yard Crashers? So, what's the difference between Lawn and Order and Yard Crashers? Uh, so, Yard Crashers, there's been 
let's say like, I think it's been like 18 seasons. There's been a couple different hosts and oh, okay. that, I thought it was just and that show. show okay. Uh, no, there's been a couple different hosts before me and, uh, that shows a backyard makeover show. The show, the new show, Lawn and Order, what we do is we dive into the front yard and helping, uh, couples who are trying to sell their house, but their curb appeal is terrible. So we try to up their curb appeal, gotcha. to increase the value of their house to try to make it more attractive to prospective buyers. Because, you know, obviously, just like you said, you know, flipping, buying, you know, people really into buying and selling houses, fixing up houses. So this is kind of the landscaping, uh, twist on selling a home. Yeah. No, I, okay. That makes, that makes more sense. That's why it's called lawn and yeah. order. It's not backyard. Exactly. Order. Okay. <laughs> Got it. And and it's so funny because when I when I have watched these shows, and like I said, I thought it was a lot longer, but in normal time, if you were to just not be on TV and go renovate someone's backyard, average backyard, how long would yep. it take you guys to do? So one of those typical episodes, that, like a, a Yard Crashers episode that takes two days would take me and my crew two to three weeks. <laughs> how are you getting it done? Yeah. In two days, I know you're working obviously nonstop and it has to be done, but there's got to be a time where something didn't go right and it took longer or you busted a pipe or something, right? Or no? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I've hit, I've hit gas lines that weren't like, you know, obviously we get dick safe and everything, but gas lines that weren't uh, uh, supposed to be there, water lines, you know, we've had rain, we've had dead animals, you name it, we've, we've run into like different issues, but. I mean, I did, man, how many episodes? I did about 50 episodes, maybe a little bit more than 50 episodes of Yard Crashers. And we never didn't finish in two days. That is unbelievable. I can't. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Even with all that stuff, like you said, I mean, what if what if you started filming and it literally rained Tuesday and Wednesday or something like that? You know, the, the did you we ever did have a, one where it rained? A show, yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. We, we, did a, we did a show in San Diego. And the last place where you think it would rain would be San Diego. And the first day was beautiful, typical San Diego day, 75 and sunny. The second day, it was, it was like a hurricane. Like we had trash bags, like we cut a hole in the trash because I didn't bring any rain gear because it's San Diego. It never rains. Yeah. So I had, I had a trash bag over my head, you know, like with a coal cut out, like <laughs> frat boy style and yeah. doing the backyard and all these guys were working back there. We got it done, but the, we couldn't shoot the afters because it was raining too hard. So they had to do it the next day, but we still finished in time. Unbelievable! That is crazy. Yeah. I got no idea about that. The, the thing I wanted, other thing I wanted to talk to you about was the locations, because when I watched Going Yard, it seemed to me, and I could be wrong on this, it seemed to me like everything was East Coast backyards. It was everything was on the East Coast. Did you travel for Going Yard and go all around, or I, I thought I remember everything kind of being East Coast? Yeah. So Going Yard, um, Going Yard, we did probably seventy five percent of the houses on Cape Cod. Uh, which was great because the commute was awesome. Yeah. But some of them, some of them we had to do in LA because obviously Cape Cod, we can only shoot there from June through October, more or less, you know, because then the weather turns and the plants start dying. So uh, during the off season, we'd have to go to LA and shoot uh, some more episodes. But we tried to get houses without palm trees right in the backyard. So it didn't look like a typical LA house. You know what I mean? Gotcha. So, and, yeah. And when you, have done, you said over 50 episodes of Yard Crashers. Where is that filmed? Obviously, it's probably numerous places, but where, where yep. have been the most of the places that you've gone to? And sorry for not having seen Yard Crashers. Do you no, specify okay. where you guys are? 
Yeah. So okay. at the start at the start of the episode, I say, you know, I'm crashing Austin, Texas, or gotcha. I'm crashing wherever we are. The production company is based in Sacramento, so about two thirds of the episodes are in Sacramento. But I've gone everywhere from Seattle to San Diego to Austin to Florida. I did some on Cape Cod, so I've kind of like traveled all around the United States for that show. Um, kind of hit everywhere in between too. So and then that, where's that law- fun because of the traveling. What about Lawn and Order? Where are most of those going to be shot? Or you don't? You're uh, still obviously in the beginning phases. Still in the beginning, but it's it's going to be East Coast based, which is great. So that way, I don't have to travel to the West Coast as much, especially now that I have a baby, so I can be home more often. Yeah, that was the next thing I wanted to get to. <laughs> um, you are a new dad, Lila. I believe is going to be six months next week. Um, yes. Yes. How has that changed? Have you put it like into your contracts? Like, hey, can we stay a little more closer to the Cape and? <laughs> Has that has that affected shooting schedule at all, or how has that been overall? Just fatherhood combined with work. Um, I mean, fatherhood has been amazing so far. Uh, I was actually so Payton was due the second week of November, I think it was, and I was actually I traveled the last three weeks of October and the first week and a half of November. I was traveling around the country for work, and I was actually the the first week and a half of November. I was in L.A. for work shooting a commercial. And her parents drove up November first just in case she went into labor and I wasn't there because you know it's not like I could just drive home quickly. I would have to get on a plane and yeah. fly home. But uh, but since then, uh, you know, luckily enough over the winter, I've taken some time off and gotten to help out and and uh, and help out with little Lyle. And it, it really is so much fun, man. Changed our life just a little bit. Yeah, I was gonna say, just, you know, just a little. Is is it been everything that you expected and more? Is there ever has there been something that you're just like, whoa, wasn't ready for this? Um, yeah, it, it's it's been amazing. Um, you know, Peyton's not a morning person, and me as a landscaper, I, I love the morning. So every morning I get it up with her. And she all day now. She sleeps from seven to seven. So people really? are always asking. Yeah, people ask, oh, you must be so exhausted. I'm like, no, nah, man, she sleeps great. Um. <laughs> and uh my sister-in-law hates it because their kid doesn't sleep well still and he's <laughs> a little over one um so every morning I, I get up with her pick her get her up at seven and we have coffee and do the crossword puzzle together and we have our you know father-daughter time and man i love it it's so much fun wow that's got to be the life man yeah that is, that is great i mean i know that you know um this is obviously your life now. how many episodes are for, of Lawn and Order are in the can right now? Uh, just one. I find out this week my uh, shooting schedule for the next uh, few months. Um, so, Oh, so you shot both. one and it already aired? Or you just yep. shot one? Okay. Yep, shot one, already aired. Now I'm just waiting to hear back about how many they want to order, which, again, I, th- I think I find out this week, which is nice. Yeah, no, that'll be that'll be good. That's just weird. I thought, yeah. I thought it was something kind of like how TV pilots and stuff like that work, where you shoot X amount, um, and then it's decided whether it's picked up or not. But you guys shot one and aired it already. Interesting. Yes. Yep. So yeah. So that's what they do now. They they shoot one, and if they like it, they air it. They get the, all their numbers. They crunch the numbers. Do whatever they do, and say, yeah, we want X number more. So did Yard Crashers turn into Lawn and Order just because? Okay, you'd had your run. You'd done fifty episodes. Time to you know let's try something different. Yep. Same as it was from going yard to yeah. yard crashers is just like, all right, let's yep. just try something up different. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I think every now and again, they just try to get something fresh and new in there. And, you know, it's very similar ideas. I mean, there's not really much you can do with 
landscaping. You're going to redo the backyard or redo the front yard. So, so they try to make it fresh and new and new title and a different twist on things. And, you know, so it, it's fun for me too, because it's not kind of like, it doesn't get static, you know, it keeps fresh. And so looking over it, going yard, yard crash. And I mean, you've probably done over what, 75 episodes total. Yeah, I've done probably close to probably close to 100 now with uh between those, and then I did I've done Smart Homes, Blog Cabin, uh, Dream Home. I've done all those ones as well. I oh, like they, they do a lot of specials. So oh yeah, that's <laughs> right. I did read about the specials. Yeah. I forgot to write those names down, but no, it's okay. They yeah, they, they keep me busy, which is nice. I like it. Wow, that is, I mean, how cool is? I mean, I've never had a anything any work like that done on you know my particular home, but. You know, some people think, I mean, put it this way, there's plenty of people that are addicted to HGTV. My niece and nephew, who are 12 and 9, can sit around and watch all those <laughs> fixer-upper shows nonstop, and they love it. And I've just never been the outdoorsy kind like that, but yep. I, it, when I did watch it, when I did see Flipper Flop and, and any of this stuff, and when I did watch yep. Going Yard in the beginning, it is actually, to, to watch a family get emotional because they have a new backyard, I got to imagine for them, if they can get emotional over it and you were the one that made them get emotional because of what you did to their yard, I, I got to imagine that kind of feels pretty cool. Oh, man, it, it's such an amazing feeling when you like, when you walk them into their new, brand new backyard and then they get, they get emotional and it gets me emotional and just, you know, you're getting people outside, you're getting them to enjoy being outdoors, getting their hands dirty. You know, teaching their kids how to enjoy like having a fire or cooking on the grill, you know, yeah. or planting things. You know, it's it's a it's a great thing to teach people. You know, put down your computer, put down your Game Boy, get outside. You know, start enjoying it. It's it's fun. It's fun to do. And like their faces when they see their brand new backyards, because you know whether it be monetary reasons or time reasons or a combination of the two things, they couldn't tackle the backyard. And to help them with that is, uh, it, it's such a great feeling. I can imagine. And this yeah. is something that when the two days are being worked on, that family is not allowed to peek or, I mean, well, sometimes I've seen them like go back, like when you through the first day, like, all right, we've laid all this stuff out or whatever. They're allowed to see it, but they don't get to see the finished product until on the show when they see it for the first time. And we see them seeing it for the first time, I assume. Yeah. So, so for going yard, that's how it did. That's okay. how we did it. Like the first couple of days they'd be out there when it was just like, a construction zone and you couldn't really yeah. tell what was going on. And then they, we, you know, we'd uh, put tape over the windows and they couldn't watch it and they'd walk out. And that's where you get that really cool motion of, Oh my God, this is my backyard. Uh, for yard crashers, they actually had to work in the yard for two days. So they were more invested in it mm -hmm. and they could see it, but then we'd still walk them out near the end and then walk them back in. They'd still get emotional when they were standing there kind of like looking around their yard for the first time like you know not sweating and not running around in circles they'd look around and be like wow this is really what happened i can't believe it yeah no that's that's crazy the amount of shows that you've done the success you've had with it i mean that's awesome and it all came from i mean just the the timing that you said of everything from the the meeting with hgtv uh in what knoxville you said like yep, the, yep. how it all kind of worked out, but Peyton, Peyton's mother lived in, you know, Knoxville. And it was just, it's amazing how that's, it's kind of all worked out. So what are the plans moving forward for you in this space? I mean, after, after <laughs> lawn and order, is it, 
just another type of yard show or do you want to keep do you, how long do you want to keep at this or do you want a little more now that you have Lila a little more family time and maybe need to take a break for a little bit or are you able to balance I mean, both yeah i mean I, I never thought i'd even do one one show after the bachelorette you know it's, yeah I, I still i still i mean obviously i can't believe i i get, i've gotten to do this many shows it's it's pretty surreal to think about and every time i see myself on tv whether it be a going yard or yard crashers or law and order it's still very odd um but i think with tv you, you don't decide how long you can last on it i think tv yeah. tells you when you're done more or less you know so I didn't think I was gonna last this long. I'm, I'm still going. So just kind of riding, riding the wave, yeah. kind of like what I'm doing yeah. here. Just as long as the Bachelor and Bachelorette are on, I'm gonna to continue to spoil it. And then when it ends, I mean, I'll move on to something else. Do you think you'd still be doing this this many years later? <laughs> no. <laughs> right, and you've made a, you've made an amazing career out of it. And yeah, I just yeah, it's kind of one of these right? things where I kind of fell in. Like you fell into yours. I've, Same thing. I fell yeah. into this. Like it just kind of happened. And then I'm just like, okay, I'll just keep going with it. And as long as this show is on the air. Which I, I mean, I don't, I don't see know. Insight for it. Yeah, I, you've. I don't know if you still keep in touch with the Alons of the world or any of the producers or anything like that. But my guess is, and I haven't heard this from anybody, is Bachelor and Bachelorette and Paradise. They'll go off the air when they just decide. When they just decide, hey, we've had a great run. We're done. I don't think yeah. ABC is going to make the decision for them, even though. That's usually how most television shows end is the, the, the network says, okay, you're done. Right. I think they're, they're such a cash cow for them. Why would they tell them they're done? They'll just say, you know, that production group, NZK, will just be like, okay, we've had a great run. We've put, you know, X amount of seasons on the air. We're just done. You know, we'll move on to something else. I mean, that's the impression that I get. I could be wrong. Maybe ABC will cancel it, but. I, I don't see that happening. Yeah. Like you said, every year the ratings are consistently good compared to other shows. Yeah. You win. It's, you win your two-hour time block for women eighteen to fifty-four which every Monday night, which is the wanted. number one coveted yeah. demo. I exactly. mean, why would you take the show off the air? It doesn't make any sense, and it's cheaper to make because all their stuff. You know these these you know these the extravagant travel on the show. Rachel went to, you know, this season Rachel goes to uh, Spain. I think I saw you say right. Yeah, they're in Spain right now. Final rose ceremony is either tomorrow or well, I keep saying tomorrow, but people are going to be listening to this on Thursday. Um, yeah. Final Rose Summer probably happening by the time people listen to this podcast, but um, yeah, they went uh, they went Norway, Denmark, Switzerland, but it's all done on trade. They're not paying for any of that, you know. It's advertising. Yeah, it's all advertising. Dollars, those yeah. those tourism boards contact the show, or the show contacts them and says, "Look, we can get you basically a two hour commercial on American television, on in a prime you know network television show, and you won't have to spend X amount. You just have to give us hotel rooms and." access to certain things and that's it. And that's kind of how no, it works. It's, an, it's, an, it's a no brainer for all those companies. Yeah. You know, I, you know no uh, brainer. so let's, uh, let's wrap this up with rapid 10, which is where I just ask you 10 random questions that I come up with. Some are show related, some are life related or whatever, but, um, gotcha. we'll just go through these. Question number one, what is your biggest household pet peeve? Biggest household pet, oh, uh, dirty dishes in the sink. And who's the biggest culprit of that? You or Peyton? Me. Oh. <laughs> so your own pet, <laughs> your yeah, pet peeve know, right? is what you do. It's <laughs> something yeah, that know. you do. <laughs> and does she correct you on it all the time? Yeah. So I do the dishes a lot, but uh, yeah. sometimes I'm running around, I put all the stuff in the sink, and I'm like, oh, damn it. <laughs> I got to do the dishes again. 
Okay, I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What is more satisfying? Question number two, more satisfying. Getting a rose at a rose ceremony or building someone their dream backyard? <laughs> oh, wow, that's a good one, man. Yeah. Um, you know what? Uh, building someone their dream backyard because I've gotten roses from people after building the dream backyard for them a oh, couple wow. times. Uh, oh, yeah. Yep. You can't escape the bachelorette even when you're no, giving someone no. a, a great backyard. <laughs> yeah, I'll, they, they, don't, they don't show that usually. You know, but yeah, I've gotten quite a few roses from homeowners after I finished their backyard. Nice. Uh, question number three. Obviously, living in the Cape and having grown up there, you're a huge Boston fan. Pats, Red Sox, Celtics, yep. Bruins. How, tell me how bothered you were or are, maybe still are, by Deflategate. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, not only am I bothered by it, but as a chemistry major, <laughs> awesome. I, come on, man. I mean, when 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 it's cold outside, that little light on your dashboard goes on because your tire pressure is low because the electrons don't move as fast, which means they deflate your tires just like the footballs deflate. And I was actually at that game. Oh, the Indian the uh, it was the uh, yeah, Indy game, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, the AFC Championship game. Yeah, I was there. Ugh. the balls looked fine to me. I'm yeah, exactly. <laughs> plus, I mean, plus the funny thing is, like, it just. Both teams had to play with it. And at the time, and the thing is, wasn't it, if I'm not mistaken, at the time that they reported it, which was essentially halftime of that game, so basically saying like, hey, the whole first half they played with deflated balls, wasn't it tied at half or maybe a one-score game at halftime? It's not like Patriots jumped was, out to a 35 nothing lead in the first half. It was close at halftime. And yeah. The, the second half, they – both teams had all brand new balls. And I think Brady threw for like 300 yards and four touchdowns in the second half. So, I mean, he was actually better with the new regular footballs than he was with the quote-unquote deflated footballs. Exactly. That's what's so funny about that whole situation yeah. is like, wait a second. When they complained about it, which was right after halftime, that was yeah. when Brady didn't – not that he didn't play well in the first half, but it was a close game. And then when he they had these the new balls half. in, they destroyed him. I think it was 28 yeah. nothing blanking in the second half. Um, yeah. Okay, question number four, along the same lines of Boston sports, your favorite all-time athletes in each sport. So let's first go Red Sox. If you can, Red Sox? Yeah, favorite uh, all-time player. I mean, even though I didn't see him play, I read all the books on him, Ted Williams. Okay. Uh, Celtics, are you going to say IT? Uh, are you going to say IT because he's fresh in no. everybody's mind? <laughs> he's going to win this series first, and maybe <laughs> I'll think about it, okay? Yeah. Um, I would say Bill Russell. I mean, if you have more rings than fingers, yeah, that's that's a pretty amazing. Feat. Yeah, you've accomplished something in life. If you've yeah, done that. Yeah. Uh, and then football, Brady. football, Brady. Right? I, I, gotta, I mean, I got to go with Brady. That's, that's a no brainer. Yeah. Okay. Uh, question number five: You've built your dream home in Cape Cod. You've gotten to travel all over from Bachelorette to all your current shows or all the shows you've done for HGTV. I don't think you guys have any plans on leaving. But if you had to, maybe work related or you guys did have to pack up and leave and move the family somewhere, is there a city you think you could do it in? Charleston, South Carolina. Really? Yeah, we we got we got married in Charleston. Um that's where Peyton used to go there for you know, like that's her summer beach location, you know, people from Tennessee go to Charleston. Yeah. Uh the people there are friendly, the food is amazing. Um, 
Yeah, Charleston, South Carolina would be my pick. Do you think? Do you think? Obviously, you're not going to probably move there, but do you think you guys will do a summer home there at some point? Like maybe rent a summer home, or even buy a summer home, or build a summer home? Yeah, I mean, if everything worked worked out, that would be a great thing to do. So, uh, yeah, because it's like I said, I, I love Charleston, South Carolina. So it, that would, that's something we've discussed. So yeah. okay, cool. Uh, question number six: the hardest thing so far about being a father. The hardest thing about being a father. Wow, there's so many hard things about being a father. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, that would be the the first two months, just like the sleep schedule. Um, when she was up every, when Lila was up every hour and a half or two hours to feed, and I'm trying to help Peyton, and you know, it's you don't know if it's day or night, and <laughs> you're. you're you're yelling at each other and changing poopy diapers and the dog is like running around because the dog's not getting any attention. So it was, yeah, the first two months are a tie for hardest thing. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, like, did you guys do the rotate? She did it. And then next time Lila woke up, it was you. And then, or was it, did you have a schedule on who took care of her when she cried at night? Um, I mean, there's only so much as a guy you can do. Cause you know, yeah. she's breastfeeding and stuff, you know, like I tried, there's nothing came out of mine. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, I mean, I, so I try to help in any other way I could to, to make it easier. Cause you know, I didn't want to just sleep through the night and be like, Oh yeah, I feel so great. I had, a, I slept 10 hours last night. Yeah. So wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't have gone over well. So, um, yeah, so we, we definitely helped out each other quite a bit. Okay, question number seven. When you watch The Bachelor and Bachelorette now, I don't know if you even still do. Do you catch up with it? Uh, yeah, I, I watch uh, every now and again. Okay. Is there any one thing that sticks out to you that is seems like or maybe even is totally different from when you were on the show? Yeah, uh, people are definitely way more prepared and try to get on it more than when I was on it. Yeah. I feel like... Everyone in my season was just like, oh, whatever, I'll just, I'll give it a try. Whereas now they're like, you know, they've been training mentally, physically, emotionally for like a year to get on this show. And, and, you know, everybody, know, to, and everybody knows that there's characters and if they play a certain right. character, they get more yeah, camera time. Yeah. And, you know, also now with summer shows with, you know, back then it was pad and then now it's paradise you're preparing yourself for that. Like, okay, well I don't care if I don't win. Cause now I have a chance to be on another show, which would be, I, work, I can date. Yeah. Date more people, get more FaceTime, which means I can get, you know, paid for tweets and paid for this and that, which, you know, so yeah. So I would say there's more, more prep goes into it and people try to try to stay on the show longer for FaceTime. Yeah. Without a doubt. Uh, question number eight, this is something that comes from my, extensive research on the subject. So I'll just throw it out there. Should every backyard have mulch? <laughs> should every backyard have mulch? Yes. Yeah, should it? Or is it not? I mean, I know it's, I, all I know is when I used to watch going yard, mulch seemed to come up all the time. And I was like, I don't even know what this stuff is. <laughs> all right. So mulch is the best thing you can put in your yard because oh, it helps keep go. down weeds as it breaks down, it turns into a compost, so it feeds the plants. It looks nice. It smells nice. It's all natural. It's a great finishing touch to any yard. I love mulch. Do you guys usually have it in every yard? Or is it almost yeah, a given? Uh, like you kind of have to put it in there with something? Because if you're planting trees, don't you need to put it, like you said? Yeah. Uh, okay. Mulch, yeah, mulch helps keep the keep the trees uh, moist, helps keep the water in there, keeps down weeds. It's I mean, otherwise, the yard just doesn't look finished if there's just like, dirt around the plants, you know, gotcha. the mulch. Could, yeah. Mulch is a nice finishing touch. 
Okay, question number nine. What was your first car? Uh, my first car was a hand-me-down Chrysler LeBaron convertible. It's a 1983. Thing had a cracked rag top. I mean, it was great in the summer, obviously. Yeah. Down. But in the in the winter, when, when I had to drive my brother to school, not so much. I mean, it was freezing in there. We had mittens, hat on. It would stall on the way to school, and it was like pre-power steering. So I'd be like turning the wheel with like both hands around the turns. My brother would be turning the key to restart the car. Oh the thing gosh. was a piece. Loved it, but it was a piece. I was going to say like in the winter in the Cape, I would imagine that you were just getting like drenched in that thing or like it was leaking <laughs> and you were just – snow was getting in there. Like that oh, must there, have there was – there was duct tape on there, oh. you know, like, yeah, it was awesome. Okay, question number 10 is explain your tweet. I do this with everybody. The problem is most people's tweets are pretty self-explanatory. Nobody's, like, doing any hidden messages or something like that. <laughs> A couple people did, but um, so I found one for you. It was September 2nd of last year. You tweeted hashtag fantasy football draft night. So I guess my question to you is did you win your fantasy football league this year or last season? <sighs> So this is a work league I do with uh, my brothers and my uh, all our landscaping employees. And best night of the year, good wings, good beer. I thought I had a good draft plan. I was gonna, I went running back, running back, running back. Didn't do too well. Uh, <laughs> I, I I blame uh, I blame my wide receiving crew. Uh, I ended up middle of the pack, so I did not win. So oh. um, you know I've been researching this year. Hopefully this year it's a little different. Yeah, I was gonna say we've got. Um... Well, the draft has just happened, so now we've got two and a half months to do our homework and crunch the numbers and figure out what the hell we're going to do for this. Here's my here's my issue with eh, my major issue with fantasy football. It's so there's so much more luck involved that I think people realize. Like it really oh, yeah. is because most fantasy football leagues you're playing against one other team uh, during the course of the week, and if your team just kills it and your receivers are on, you're running back and your quarterback has a 300 yard game and all this stuff and you get, you know, 140 points, all that matters is if your opponent doesn't get 141. And if they get 141, it doesn't matter that you're 140 points. It does nothing unless you have a league where it's point based, but usually it's your record based on who you beat. Yeah. And if like you, you have like literally once the games kick off at, you know, 1 PM Eastern time every Sunday, there's zero control you have over a team. All you have control over is who you start. And it's just so frustrating for me because it doesn't matter how good my team does. It only matters how good they do versus the team I happen to be playing that week. And that's what you're Oh, I agree. Like, yeah. Well, one week I had the second most points, but I lost because I was going against the kid with the most points. Yeah. If I had played anybody else, any of the 10 other teams, I would have won. And that but and that's happened happen. to me twice in the playoffs oh. where I was in the semifinals and me and the guy that I was playing against – absolutely killed it on our points and he beats me with like two points like 153 to 151 and the other semifinal game was like 92 to 87 like it just and so then i get played for the third place game the following week and my team shits the bed and all of a sudden i, I don't even finish in third i finish in fourth and I, that's out of the money in our league so it's just like it's so frustrating i just i it, that's like that's the perfect synopsis to fantasy football yeah right there. it is that's so it. frustrating it. and and that's why I never got into it, but I can see why people do it is the DraftKings and the FanDuel, the daily fantasy football stuff where you can put a roster together every week and win money every week as opposed to 
great. I got to wait. I got to wait 17 weeks to see if I collect anything on this season. I, it's, I can see how people can, I, I did it a couple times and it's just like, but I'm just not as into it with studying all week. It's just like, all right, I've got my team for the year. I'll start my guys and, and whatnot. Uh, I'm yeah. the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'll, I'll wait the 17 weeks to win. Yeah, exactly. Cause then it's bragging rights at that point, you know? Exactly. Um, so congratulations, Chris, you've completed the rapid 10. Um, it was great catching up with you again, man. I really appreciate you coming on and you need to get on Frank's ass to get him on this podcast. Cause I'd love, <laughs> I'd love to talk to him about everything that happened on your season again. And you know, what's happened to him post-show because I don't really know what he's, I know he's not married. A lot of guys from your season have gotten married. Ty Brown, Tyler Vermette, you, um, Jesse Beck, Jesse Beck, uh, Steve Cautious. Yes, um, I remember him. Um, quite a few. Uh, Rago hasn't. I know that. Case uh, Casey got married, didn't he? Oh, that's right. Casey got married. Uh, John John from Seattle. He got married. Um, oh, he did. Uh, Els and Ellsworth. John C. John C. C. Oh, oh John C. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, you know Roberto, I know is in a long-term relationship for Allie. Uh, yeah. Allie got married. Allie, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Allie got married. Um, yeah, but definitely I would, uh, yeah, if you can nudge Frank in the right direction, tell him to respond to his damn I emails. <laughs> appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, but man, thanks again for coming on. I, I, I don't say this often. There, there are very few people in this franchise that I actually like and like literally good, genuine guys. And you're, definitely one of them um from the time i've spent with you and and knowing oh, Peyton, thank you very much you guys i'm 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 happy i'm legitimately happy for all your success post show it's really cool to see all that man well i i really appreciate hearing that thank you so very much and uh yeah it's great that i got to know you over the years and and all your success is well earned and and uh thank you again for having me on i appreciate it man no no problem chris and uh we'll be in touch take care man all right steve you got yeah, it man. Thanks again to Chris for that. Um, that was a lot of fun taking a trip down alley memory lane on his season and the characters that they had. I mean, wow. Totally forgot about some of that stuff when I, when I was doing research and just writing out questions and thinking of stuff to talk about. I actually did go back and watch those scenes of Rago hop skipping through Turkish bushes avoiding Ali and the guys just watching him from above. Like it was just, it was almost surreal. But if you were to name top five moments in this show's history, Rego in Turkey trying to escape Ali is definitely one of them. If you haven't seen that season or you just don't even know what we were talking about, go and Google it. Just Google Justin Rego, Ali bachelorette, Turkey, and, and you'll see uh, what they did. But uh, thanks again to Chris for coming on. And I really, you know, I, I've had a lot of people on this show and um I think they've all I think they're all really good people and but a lot of them I was speaking to for the very first time outside of, you know, emails asking them if they want to come on and stuff like that. But Chris and Peyton are two people that I have known uh gosh, since about two thousand twelve. And, you know, we'll go plenty of time without talking or interacting or anything like that, but always there to um, send a text for a congratulations for their baby, uh, which I did. And, and Chris, uh, and Peyton both have congratulated me out of the blue just for the success of my site and have done that. And I, I mean that to me, that means more than 
you know, somebody saying something in, in a public forum and on social media or whatever the case may be. So I've always uh, been appreciative of Chris and Peyton. Did get to spend some time with them before they got married, when they were still in the early stages of dating. When we went to that Manny Pacquiao fight here at Texas Stadium, which uh, was now AT and T Stadium, but yeah, it was right in the beginning of when it was built. We got to see a fight there, and that was just wild. That whole night was just crazy. So uh, yeah, um, good to see them having so much success post show, and now they got a family. I mean, things have really gone well for them, and it was interesting to hear how everything came together on how they met and how he got the TV show all kind of intertwined. It was really cool. So thanks again to Chris for that. So that'll wrap it up for podcast number 25 next week. Well, we move on to podcast number 26. I'm really excited to announce some of the guests we have coming up during Rachel's season. Um, there will be some repeat guests from, uh, from when Nick's season was airing, but uh, some new ones that you haven't heard of uh, past contestants that I think you'll look forward to hearing. So until next week, Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it, and we will talk to you soon. See you.